Today's scripture reading is from the book of Nehemiah, the first chapter, the first to the 11th verse. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that has survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fast and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer. Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants. The people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the, command, the commands, decrees and laws you have gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this, of this man. This is the word of the Lord. So we want to get into our text um, for this morning, but before we do, I always like to recap and talk about uh, what Pastor has been sharing with us. And so it is my privilege to kind of talk about last week's sermon, which really hit home for me, um, and the title was God You Said. God You Said. Um, it says that the way we approach God is in direct correlation in how we review God and how we view God. The way we approach God is in direct correlation of how we view God. Pastor shared that Nehemiah reminds himself of what God has already spoken. And so if you've been following along the text and you've been uh, uh, going through the scripture with us, Nehemiah has, has been repeating what has already been spoken uh, through the prophet Moses. And it says, God promises consequences for bad behavior. You know, when you said that, Pastor, that kind of shook me a little bit. God promises consequences for bad behavior. Promises. And then it says, why? Because God loves us too much to not punish us for our bad behavior. Because he loves us, he must punish because he loves us, he must punish. And Pastor shared that um, too often, uh, I want to talk about also before he said that a lot of times we don't deal with consequences. There's not consequences for our actions, so therefore we stay in the constant or in the norm of that sinful behavior. And so because of that, God says, I have to punish. There has to be some type of consequence for your bad behavior. Thanks be to Jesus Christ who steps in on our behalf. You said that too often we are like Lot's wife looking back. If you don't know the story of, of Lot and his wife, 
he was instructed to leave the city, and he, him and his wife, they were leaving, and they were instructed to do what? Amen. We have some Bible studiers in here. Amen. And so we are instructed to not look back, but yet Lot's wife looked back because she couldn't help herself. She said, I got to see what's going on back there. And what happened? Turned into a pillar of salt. Can you imagine? You're, you, you're with your wife, and you're going, and you're like, come on, baby, let's go. And you're like, baby? <laughs> baby. I said, Baby. But you can't look back because God told you not to look back. So you like, I guess she didn't listen, so I got to keep on with, right? But there's consequences for our bad behavior. And it wasn't like, you know, Lot was the only one who got that instruction. They were all told not to look back, but she couldn't help herself. And so for us, a lot of times when Pastor was saying, a lot of us spend too much time looking back and think, to be to God, we haven't turned into a pillar of salt. But some of our uh, possibilities have. Some of our potential has turned into a pillar of salt. Some of those dreams and ambitions have turned into a pillar of salt because we're too busy looking back instead of moving forward. So I thought about that. I said, wow, that's, that, you know what? I was listening to an Entree Leadership podcast that talked about how um, in, inside of a company, when you're a new company and you have those people who've been around for a long time, a lot of times when things are starting to change and get better or they're heading in a new direction, the older people, the older generation, like to tend to spend a lot of time looking back and saying, it's not what it used to be. It's not how the good old days where you used to, we didn't have to worry about all these type of requirements and regulations and, and, and paperwork, right? And I said, wow, I've become that old head at my job. <laughs> That's me. Too busy looking back instead of looking forward to what God is saying, okay, you, yeah, you were there, and that was good, but I'm try I have something better for you. We have to move forward. Thank you, Pastor. He says, instead of moving forward, we make excuses and we stay where we are. And then we have a pastor who, as my wife shared in her prayer, that we have a pastor who lives it out, who we can identify, identify with. He says that I live on Challenge Avenue. I live, right, on Grace Way. I live where you live. A lot of times we look at our pastors and the leaders and we say, man, if, it was, if, it, if I was only like them, not knowing that they are exactly where we are. They too, just like us, us cannot escape, right? Pain, suffering, setbacks. Just like us, pastor struggles. Just like us, he doesn't want to be here every Sunday. Just like us, he doesn't want to be at the new building from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Just like us. So we have a pastor who is saying that I know what I don't want to do, but I know what God has called me to do. So because of that, I'm going to kneel before God so that I can stand before the believers. Amen. Which brings us to our, our title today, My Posture. My Posture. My Posture. And as I thought about the, the title I was given this quote that says, the person, of, the person God uses has a burden for his people, 
a vision for his purpose and commitment to his purpose. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. Our pastor is burdened. He is burdened with our struggles. When we hurt, he hurts, right? Because just like we need him, he needs us. And so when there are issues that arrive in our life, we, and just like, just like we are saddened and, and we mourn, he too mourns. And I can say that he's been living uh, longer than I have and is more mature than I am, but I know that the little burden that God has given me sometimes paralyzes me. It causes me to drop down to my knees and want to give up because I take on the burden of my brothers and my sisters just like he does. And sometimes it's so, so heart-wrenching that I don't know what to do. But I'm reminded that in my posture, when I kneel down before God, and I begin to pray, Lord, you know. Lord, you know. You know. I don't even have to say what it is because you know. So I ask you this morning, what is your posture? This is going to be a very reflective sermon. I want you to think about what is your posture? I want you looking internally and thinking, what is my posture? When I go before God, what is my posture? If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke 18, Luke chapter 18. I know this is not normal for us. You're like, the Bible? Wait, wait a minute. I didn't bring my Bible today. But Luke, 9, Luke 18 says, starting at verse 9, to some who were confident of their righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast, fast twice a day, twice a week, and give a tenth of all I get. But then look at verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves be, will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exhausted, exalted. So when we think about this, what is your posture? Are you like the Pharisee, the cocky, the arrogant one who says, God, here it is. It's me again. Your son, your daughter, the one, the fly one, the cute one, the one you've blessed. I have it all together. I'm not like everybody else. I don't steal. I don't lie, right? I don't complain. Or are you like the tax collector who looked within and seen that I don't deserve to stand in the presence of God but because of your grace, I'm not, even, I'm not even going to look up to heaven. I'm not even going to look in your direction because I don't deserve it. Have mercy on me. What is your posture? 
Our text today is Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. And it says, They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. And so as we get into the text, I was reminded when we talk about Nehemiah, this weeping prophet, right? He was weeping. And I thought about it. I said, you know what? That's sometimes that's how I am, right? I just, I, you know what? I got a clip. I, share, I brought a clip today to share and just the insight. So don't, don't judge me, but sometimes this is how I weep before the Lord, all right? So I just want to share with you. This is me. (laughs) I thought about it, I said, you know, I know, I know I'm ugly when I'm crying and weeping because how, God, how great God is. But this captured the essence, right? So I don't know what your weeping may look like, right? But when I think about Nehemiah, when he heard about what was going on, he wept, he cried. And so when we think about today, what's going on in today's times? What's going on with the fellow brothers and sisters? How do we respond? Are we weeping? Are we mourning? And not just did he weep for a day. They said that for days he was weeping. For days he was praying. So for us, are we weeping? Are we praying? Are we meditating? Are we thinking, Lord, I need you to, I need you to give me a plan. Give, what is it? How do you want me to respond? God gave Nehemiah a vision. God gave Nehemiah, after the, the, he got the news, he wept. He seen that his brother, the, the temple was lying in ruins, and he wanted to do something about it. And just like us today, there may be things in your life or things that you see, and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. But I need you to step in. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And Nehemiah understood that. So he stopped, and he prayed. He broke down. He cried. He mourned. He wept. And he asked God, what is it that you would have me to do? See, God gives us a vision. And then although he gives us that vision, it's also up to us to follow through with that vision. So who did their homework? If I raise a hand, you get a stamp, you get, anybody do their homework? Amen, knowledge is the only one who did his homework. <laughs> amen, thank, amen, knowledge. Thank you. Amen. So our homework was last week, pastor said that we were supposed to read two passages. Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and Leviticus chapter 26. If you did your homework, this sermon is going to be very delightful to you. If you didn't do your homework, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. But had you did your homework, it would be a lot better. It would be like A1 on a steak. Mm. 
You know, talk about some A1 on the steak. You know, that's some good stuff. Or how about, um, you know, some of that honey on a Popeye's biscuit? Now y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So that extra caramel on a white chocolate mocha, right? How it's all on the cup. That's, that's how this sermon would be to you if you did your homework. But if you didn't do your homework, it's going to be, it's good, it's all right. Right? But pastor was trying to share with us that if you read the background, if you see what's going on, you plant yourself in Nehemiah's place, and you see all the things that are going on in the nation and around Jerusalem, and what, what is really going on, it'll be that much sweeter to you. I'll get three amens instead of one. Because you'll see, I, I, get, I, I get it. Now I get what you mean. See, there were some things that when Nehemiah, when his prayer, and as she read the prayer, as she read what happened with Nehemiah today, we see that he was already speaking what had already been spoken. It wasn't something new that Nehemiah had made up. What was he doing? He was speaking God's word. God, you said, this is not Nehemiah making this up. God, you said. And so because you said, I want you to move. And I know you're going to move because you made a covenant. You made a promise. So when we understand that, that's why it's important for us to know the Word, for us to study the Word, to read the, to read the Scripture so that when we read it, it's not just like, what is this? What did he talk about? The 20th year of Kislev, and I don't know who, who is that, right? What, what does this mean? When we get deep into Scripture, it becomes a lot more challenging, a lot more meaty, Right? But it also allows that we can de- digest because we understand what's going on. As I thought about th- the verse, look at verse 10. It says that they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great, hand, your great strength and your mighty hand. Whose servants are they? God's, right? So he starts off by saying they are your servants your people whom you redeemed, your great strength, your mighty hand, Nehemiah understands what's going on. So just like us, when we have situations that are going on in our lives, we may break down and we may not know what to do, but God knows. So we can put the situation back on it. God, this is your child. You created them. You know how to deal with them. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering the name. And as as Pastor had told us as we did our homework, if you go through Deuteronomy, you've seen everything that was going on. And I'm just going to read a couple excerpts. It says that Deuteronomy 4, see, I have taught, and this is verse 5, see, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show you, show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all the, these decrees and say, surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. So God was giving the, the, his people, his children, instructions of how to conduct themselves. And so for us today, if we are not following God's decrees, his laws, how can we expect for God to move in our lives? A lot of times, like Pastor Share, we want the results of somebody who works out, but we don't want to work out. 
I want to look like that, but I don't want the pain associated with looking like that. Right? I know I'm not the only one. It's like, you know what? It's just easier just to give up. Right? Oh, I have, I have all the intention to, to get to the gym. I'm on my way. You know what? I think I better just uh, sweep the floor. We always find something better to do instead of putting in that time. So for us, it's important that we understand that God is in control. Nehemiah had a huge burden for the people, but remembers whose people they are. When I got the news about my cousin, instantly I wanted to do something about it. When you hear about somebody suffering, somebody in pain, you want to move, you want to do something. What can I do? I need to go to the hospital. I need to, and this is in the midst of, of, of sermon prepping. This is in the midst of us having to do, uh, to get up for the garage sale. These are in the midst of things going on. I want to move. The best thing I could do is drop down and pray. Like Nehemiah, Father God, this is your child. She's on your time. I'm no doctor, but I know that you are. Right now, because I'm at a distance, I'm not there with her, I ask that you would comfort her as I would want to be comforted. See, it's something when you pray about how you would want, you know how it is, when you're going through something, you want God to help you, right? It's like, Lord, help me. Like, I want her to help, I want God to help her like if it was me. Because a lot of times we could pray for people, but do you really mean it? It's like, no, I want you to touch, like if I was there in that situation, how I would be on my knees and praying and thinking about all the things and how marvelous you are, that's how I want you to show up. So the best thing I could do was drop to my knees and pray. Nehemiah knew he needed to pray and he, uh, before he did anything. Before he moved and he was concerned about the state, but he understood that he had to pray. And, he, and when you think about his prayer, what was his posture like? Well, I know that somebody who is weeping, their posture is probably down. I know that there's times where when I'm weeping, I'm down on my knees and I'm asking God to show up. I'm asking God to reveal himself. Nehemiah's posture was full of humility, conviction, compassion for those who were in distress. It was reverence because he revered God for who he is. And he also had faith that God was going to show up. We have to come to correct, uh, come correct when we go to God. And Nehemiah understood this, and he did this consistently throughout the book of Nehemiah. It's the praying, the praying prophet, constantly praying, Lord, before I move, I have uh, good intentions and there's things that I want to do. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? So living on our jobs and in our lives and our relationships, I'm in this relationship, but is this what you want me to do? I'm on this job, but is this job pleasing to you? I'm doing the best I can as a father, but is it pleasing to you? For all of us, we have to ask that question. What is your posture? What is my posture like when I go to God? Am I arrogant or am I humble? As we have gone through the first chapter, we see Nehemiah is in prayer mode. But in the text, we see another significance. Nehemiah is not just throwing up any old words. Again, he is praying God's word. He is praying what God has already spoken. There's something extraordinary about praying God's word, and Nehemiah knew it. 
This is why it's important for us to study and to do our homework. God told Moses, but if they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors, and if we look at chapter 1, what did Nehemiah say? Father, forgive me. Forgive my ancestors. Forgive, forgive me. He, he owned it. And so for, for us, are we owning our mess? Or is it just, Lord, touch them? You know, my supervisor got some issues. Touch, touch them. Or are we saying, Lord, I know that I'm a mess. I know that I'm a, without you, I wouldn't be in this place. So help me. Let it, let it start with me before we throw somebody else under the bus. Lord, help me. Nehemiah took ownership of it. Continue, Moses told him, and this is in, in uh, Deuteronomy, he says that, continuing, which made, uh, it says that their unfaithfulness and their hostility toward me, which made me hostile toward them, so that I sent them into the land of their enemies. Then when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. Nehemiah was staying within God's purpose, and you can be rest assured that God is going to move. Because God was what? what with it, Nehemiah was in God's purpose. And see, that's when we can expect God to move, when we're working in his purpose. When we're working outside of God's purpose, we can't, shouldn't expect anything. But a lot of times when we understand, that's why that scripture says, Lord, um, when we're talking about in Romans, where it's talking about a called according to God's purpose, right? It, everything works out because we're within God's purpose. And even the things that, as Pastor shared in the sermon before, even the things when we intentionally mean for evil, God is going to turn around and make it for good. Think about that. You intentionally do something evil, and God turns it around and says, I'm going to use this evil thing that you did to change you. This evil thing, and I'm talking about this is the sin that you thought about, that you premeditated, that you said, I'm going to do this, and I care. I don't care what nobody thinks, even God himself, I'm going to do this. And God says, I'm going to correct it. I'm going to use this. And even if it's just so that you look back and you think about all the bad things you did, it's going to pro propel you closer to me, Amen. our God. This is the type of God that we serve, who uses our mess, our mess to, to, to build us up. And some people say, what type of God do you serve? I serve a God who forgives, who looks past my faults, who turns my mess into a message of his grace and his mercy. And so as we come to a close and we think about Nehemiah and the, and the scripture, again, I want you thinking internally, what is my posture when I go to God? What is my posture when I go to God? Am I the arrogant one? Or am I full of humility? I understand and I recognize who God is and my need for him. And it says that, Nehemiah says at the end of this verse, I'm the cupbearer to the king. And I thought about this. I said, why would he, you know, this just seems random. 
Look at the text. It says, give your servant success. And this is after everything he said, right? All the prayer. Then he ends and says, I was cupbearer to the king. It's like, that's, that's a little random. But God, as I sat there and I meditated, before I went to a commentary, before I went to anything, God said, I want you to understand that your position has nothing to do with the power of your prayer. Your position has nothing to do with the power of your prayer. See, Nehemiah prayed before he said, look, I'm cupbearer to the king. I'm entitled to ask a favor of the king. I've tested the wand to make sure he doesn't die, and I'm always, you know, taking care of the king. He owes me this. Before any of that, he prayed. For days he wept. And he asked this on to say to us, you may be the top of the top at your job. You might be the cream of the crop, but it has nothing to do with the power of a prayer. I remember Pastor Williams told me, he says, I can get more done by praying than you can do in 24 hours of physical work. And I must have, you know, 15 years old, I'm looking like, what? You don't understand, I work, you know, I'm out there. (laughs) As I read scripture, and I seen what happens when men and women pray to God in humility and with expectation, things that get done. Nehemiah expected God to move. Nehemiah had a relationship with God. So for us today, if we want God to move, God is not, and I'll say it again, God is not moved by our circumstances. God knows exactly what's going on in each and one of our lives right now. He knows that my cousin had a stroke. He knows that my cousin's going to need comfort. He knows all these things that are going on. He knows the trials and tribulations that I'm facing. On the, He knows that. He's not moved by it. What he's moved by is our faith. When we say, God, help me. I could go do X, Y, or Z, but I want to do what's pleasing to you. God is moved by our faith. That's why it says, with the faith of a mustard seed, you will be able to move mountains. I never understood it. Faith of a mustard seed, I'm going to be able to move a mountain? I don't get it. Because faith is what moves God. He wants us to put our complete trust in Him. Not in ourselves, not in our abilities, and not what we can do, but in God. And when we do so, God is glorified. God moves. Why? Because it's all about His glory. It's not about you. And Nehemiah understood that. See, we start speaking godly language, right? It's like, you know, women, you know, when that, your man, your boo say something, you know, when he start t- speaking your love language, right? It moves you. Same with God. When we're speaking that faith language, Lord, if you don't show up, if you don't send me people to build, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to have to sit here and beg people to come and to sh- I will, but I don't want to. God, you, you said. It gives us a, a glimpse into pastor, into his life. God, you said you want City Church to move to 36. You, you, you said that. 
And so I'm following through, and things may be looking a little bleak. They may be looking a little like, you know, dark and gloomy, but you said, and since you said, I am going to expect that you move because if you don't, it's not necessarily my reputation, although I will look like a fool, but this is what you said, and I'm preaching your word, so I expect you to move, Lord. Have your way. And as you see, five years old, five and a half years old, and God is moving because it's according to his purpose. There's people who necessarily won't get up here and speak, who won't get up here and pray, but are over at the church working. And not working for themselves, but working unto the Lord. Working unto the Lord. We think about how great our God is. So I want all of you to be encouraged as we go through this transition and we're in this book. Think about how great our God is. We have a God who is moved by our faith when we trust him. And we have the evidence. So don't be discouraged. Be encouraged when you look around and you can see, you see the evidence of our faith because we're transitioning. We are transitioning because of our faith, not because we're good looking, not because our pastor is LeBron James, but because of what God is doing. Amen? God bless you.